0: Back to the base off spot this is your host adam larson and i'd like to thank you guys for tuning into another episode Uh, i always really appreciate it when you guys tune in i'd also like to uh shout out our sponsor at howie's hockey i appreciate howie's hockey and if you would like some howie's hockey products you can enter the coupon code base off 10 enter the coupon code to receive 10 percent off of your howie's hockey products um really appreciate them being a part of the show um I know that I say that all the episodes are all very special and this one definitely is in its own way. Um, I'm talking to somebody today that I I've known for, for quite a while, haven't probably talked to him a little bit. Um, but, uh, I, I was able to talk to him a few times, uh, when I lived in Tulsa and he lived in Tulsa as well. Um, this is somebody that I have a lot of respect for, not just as a hockey player, uh, but as a human being. And, um, he's kind of been on my um, short list for a little bit now and, uh, Um, I just hope that, uh, I hope that we can have a good episode here, but, uh, my guest for today is, uh, Gio Flaminio, uh, Gio, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you, Adam. Great to be here, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, just real quick too. Um, it's kind of one of those situations to where, um, I kind of have, um, a, a, a greater, um, a greater purpose for this show. Than, than just talking hockey. And I know that there's a lot of things that we will get into at a certain point. Um, I, I don't think that it's a disservice to say that you are uh, a, a bit of a, a deep thinker and uh, and a, a deep soul. And uh, so I'm sure that we'll, we'll get into some of that a little bit later. But uh, I'd like to start off by just kind of talking about your hockey journey, because that's kind of where everybody starts off the show. So if you don't mind, I would like to start you off the same way that we start all the guests off. And I kind of wanted to know how you got involved in the uh, the, the sport of hockey. Uh, I know that you're Canadian, so usually these stories are fairly similar and they kind of started at an early age, but um, can you kind of talk about how you first got introduced to the game? It might not necessarily been the first time you stepped on the ice, but uh, what was it that got you uh, involved in the sport?
1: Yeah, so like a lot of, you know, Canadian kids, um, you know, grew grew up with uh uh, it was a hockey house right my dad um got me involved right from the time i could walk obviously before my um before any actual memories i have but uh some of the first memories i do have are the backyard rink right he would um you know flood flood the ice as soon as it started getting cold in the winter and you know get the rink prepped for me to skate on and, you know, so four or five years old, I'm, you know, I'm out there past dark shooting pucks. You know, he made a homemade net for me with, uh, you know, basically two by fours and a carpet for the netting, right? He essentially just nailed in the carpet to the two mm-hmm. by four for my first, first actual net. And I just remember, you know, learning how to shoot, could barely raise the puck, but I was out there. And I just, I, I fell in love with the game, I think, early on just from those. Um, those backyard experiences,
0: yeah. Well, it's kind of funny, not funny, but what I, you know, kind of look into each guest, and this is something that I kind of uh, knew about you prior. And we probably share this a little bit, but uh, uh, your dad ends up at a certain point becoming your coach. Is this correct? Yeah,
1: definitely. He uh, he coached a lot of my you know minor hockey teams until until I got to. I guess the more serious levels, right? Like Pee-wee, like uh eleven, twelve years old. He was my yeah. coach up those years. And uh, you know, just a lot of respect for the man. He never played at a high level, but he was he was good with me and all the other kids and and you know, always teamed up with um, you know, another father or two. And, you know, it's it's mentioned all the time, like the sacrifices our parents make for us, right? And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this man was no different. I mean, it was You know, a lot of the 6 a.m. practices, um, especially once, you know, travel and summer hockey started up, that's when it really, uh, it really picked up just, you know, the amount of sacrifices and, you know, time and energy that uh, my parents and, and many parents, you know, put in for us.
0: Yeah, and, and and I can understand because um, m- my dad was similar. You know, he he played a little bit of college hockey, but didn't uh, didn't play uh, play high up. But sometimes it's kind of a, a disservice, and I think it happens maybe more now than ever. Where there's certain coaches or people that you know seem to be dismissed because they didn't play at a high level, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't understand the game and and end up being really really you know good coaches that that know the game. And I, I kind of wish that there was a little bit of a, of an understanding that a good coach is a good coach. And if he understands the game, then that's a little bit different than maybe somebody that's played the game at a high level, but isn't able to coach it. And especially when you're talking about like the, the younger years, you know, you can't, uh, you know, you can come from playing, you know, a professional or high level, you know, college, whatever it's still hard to kind of connect with those kids at that, that younger age group. And I do think there's something really special uh, about people that can do that and get them just to love the game. And I think that um, he probably loved the game and probably um, shared that love with you guys and with you in particular. Um, But I assume that that, that probably helped you out a little bit. Yeah, most definitely.
1: I mean, Um, yeah, he was he was my biggest fan on top of, you know, uh being my coach for all those years. And uh you're you're absolutely right. Like it takes a special person to uh, you know, connect with the kids. I mean, it's a it's an interesting age, right? You know, coming up through the ranks, playing hockey. And uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily you know, your X and O's guy, but uh, you know, he connected with all of us. And I've and I've had a lot of coaches like that too over the years. I've had both, right? The guys who did play Mm -hmm. at high level and were obviously qualified, but, uh, I've, I've had other coaches too, that either, you know, played the same level I did or, or, or well below, but still had a way, um, with the players, right. And how, how, Mm -hmm. and how to get the most out of them. The best coaches I had, uh, were the guys who could get the most out of the players.
0: Yeah. And, and I've talked about this previously on the podcast before, but, uh, it's almost like I think it should be a pre prerequisite. Even if you're, you know, a top NHL guy or whatever, you should still at some point have to go coach like a Mike team or an 8U team. Because at that point, you're you're literally trying to coach kids that are, are are just in it because they're having fun. And I almost feel like it kind of brings you back to the reason that we really all started playing. And sometimes, you know, that that gets lost on us why we started. You know, sometimes I'm not saying we ever stop loving the game. We we do love it. But there's just there's something to that that the looking back on those, uh, I guess it's called 8U and 10U. It's a little bit different. It used to be called Mike sports, PBs and whatnot. But there was just something about your job as as a coach in those younger years about just getting those kids to to love the game and to come back next year and to show an appreciation for it. And obviously, at a certain point, things get a little bit more serious. But I also kind of find that the the ones that last the longest and and do the best for the ones that still find a way to enjoy themselves playing the game. Yes, I
1: 100% man and I sort of took pride in that and I think you know since we're talking about it probably my my upbringing had a lot to do with that like even into my you know latter stages of playing I was you know I like to keep everyone loose and have a good time right whether it was at practice before the game warm-ups but I was able to turn the switch to where, you know, if it, when it was time to compete and, uh, you know, time to get the job done, that's when, you know, I obviously could be more serious and competitive, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that fun aspect that you're talking about definitely, uh, starts at a young age. Right. And I, and I remember, I mean, I just loved going to the rink and being on the ice every single day. You know what I mean? That's what, yeah, that, that was my upbringing. And then, you know, summer's it was, it was road hockey because the city I grew up in didn't, you know, they took the ice out when the junior team was uh, finished for the season. So you would have to travel out, uh, travel out of town to get on actual ice. But then, you know, the road hockey tournaments amped up throughout the summer. um, And it was just, like I said, a a way of life uh, right up until I moved away from home to play.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, and and I do want to hop back into uh, kind of your, your, your career here a little bit, but um, at what point, uh, you know, cause you, you start off, you're playing, you're being coached by your dad. Um, and, you know, and hockey is pretty serious in Canada, but at what point does it really get serious for you? At what point are you like, Hey, like, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Things start to kind of, you know, usually I feel like for most of my guests, it's around teenage years, maybe 14, 15, you know, decisions have to be made. Um, at, at what point does that kind of happen for you where, you realize that this could actually end up, uh, taking you into the, uh, professional, uh, professional leagues.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I guess I, you know, be considered a late bloomer in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I, wasn't great growing up. Like that's the truth. It wasn't till, um, you know, made the developmental teams like the top teams in, in Wee. So, you know, again, 11, 12 years old, um, you know, a couple of years of Wee on the, on the developmental team, And did okay. You know what I mean? Nothing special. Uh, Not a great skater. Uh, Wasn't blessed with a ton of skill. So, kind of had to work for everything I got. Um, And then it would have been, you know, my 15-year-old season. So, technically, like, my second year Bantam. Um, Mm -hmm. I I surprisingly made the Midget AAA team as an underage, right? Because it was primarily it's primarily 16 and 17 year olds and, and 18 year olds um with the early birthdays but anyways uh yeah I, I had a great camp I made the team and that's when I remember sort of like thinking to myself hmm like I'm 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 starting to notice that I can you know do things out here that are are maybe separating me from some of the other players and uh you know I was starting to put up numbers and still have still having a good time with it but I guess that that season, you know, my first year midget, um, you know, or as an underager playing midget was was when I was when I noticed I could maybe go somewhere with it. Um, you know, I got listed uh, in the WHL, which is is major junior, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Got listed by the Kootenai Ice. And uh, then I remember like as as awesome as that was, I do remember the pressure element of it kicking in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, holy shit i'm lit i'm listed i got a and and it messed with me man like i actually had uh a horrible uh tournament in calgary it's the max tournament it's a huge north american uh midget tournament annually in calgary and just had one of the worst weekends of my life playing in that tournament they actually dropped me a week after the tournament so i was down in the dumps over that but um you know played played those two seasons in in my hometown of prince albert uh with the mintos midget AAA uh, mintos. And, you know, that's obviously, that was the top midget league in the province. And, you know, it was just a matter of deciding at that point where I was going to go play junior.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's kind of interesting too, because I feel like this, this theme comes up quite a bit. Um, but it's one of those things to where you know that you're good at hockey for, for a long time. And I'm not saying that we don't all stress for competitive games, you know, a little, you know, maybe five or 10 minutes before the game, you know, you're feeling a little anxious, but when you hop on the ice, you know, you're feeling okay. But then when it kind of gets into the realm of like, oh, like this could make or break my future, uh, I really feel like, you know, hockey players, especially ones, and I can speak for myself on this, but all of a sudden when it kind of becomes more, almost too much competitive and not enough about the fun, um, I feel like everybody has to kind of uh, adapt to that change. So it's one of those things to where, you know, you can know that you're a good hockey player and you can know that, that, that you're, you're trying to look forward to the future, but there's just a certain point where it's really like heavy and that you really like, you know, kind of stress out, you know, I I can be kind of an uh, anxious person uh, in general anyway, but as I got older, kind of the, the stress before the game started get more and more intense. And it was something that I was always used to feeling, but you know, when you get a little bit older, you feel like there's more expectations from you um, and not necessarily, you know, from your family or, or you know, friends of yours that are saying like, hey, Geo is going and playing here or there. But there's just kind of this weird mental game that doesn't really start until, you know, a little bit later on in your kind of career, if that makes sense. So your your story kind of adds up to quite a few guests that I've had on the show before, but did that kind of uh, uh, mental, I don't want to say conflict, but did that continue to exist or at a certain point, does that kind of uh, plateau out and you kind of find your way? What's what's the next step?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I was, I was pretty fortunate there. I think I sort of thrived off the competition. Um, you know, I mentioned that pressure incident in my teenage years that sort of, you know, messed with me early on. But, you know, beyond that, I sort of rose to the occasion. I, I feel I was that type of player. Um, you know, and I was I had this ability to sort of keep it loose um before games and and you know my teammates uh you know my teammates I think um enjoyed that uh aspect yeah. of what I brought to brought to the table. But like I said, I you know, not to go too off topic, but like if I miss anything most about playing, especially professionally, it's just that that compete level. Like I can't, I haven't found anything in life after hockey that allows me to compete at the level I got to playing, uh you know, competitively and and professionally mainly. Right? So yeah, um, that's it's the most, and I think I I do think you know just back to your question that you know I it didn't it didn't bother me maybe like a lot of players I I had a pretty easy time. Uh, getting getting to that level of you know competitiveness when I needed to, and yeah. uh, and being a- and being able to handle the pressure as it came.
0: Yeah, well, and and kind of uh, you know kind kind of going back to to what we're, what you were saying though. Um, as far as kind of like being mentally uh, aware and prepared, and and kind of missing that competition level that you're used to. Don't you think that that's pretty common for a lot of players that play at, you know, a high level like you did that have to kind of fulfill that, I don't know, that, that need a little bit later on in life. And I don't want to, you know, jump too far ahead because I I do want to jump back, uh, you know, into your career fair in a little bit, but it's almost like there's nothing, I'm not saying that there's nothing else outside of, you know, competitive sports that can give that to you, but it's hard to find. And. I really feel like you see a lot of guys that kind of um, they long for that, you know, for, for a long time after they're out of hockey or, or as soon as, as soon as that, uh, and I, I don't want to say that it's necessarily like, you know, they need that competitiveness, but it's just, if you think about it, that that's been a part of your life and a part of, you know, everything that you've been doing within hockey for, you know, probably a decade at that point, you know, you're playing competitive at a young age, but Like, how do you or do you find a way to fulfill that need that you have to be competitive? Because at the end of the day, you know, most people were never competitive professional athletes in any way and not saying that's a bad thing, but it's almost like there's a it it gets you used to behaving in certain ways and having, you know, um, uh, events and things to look forward to. you're saying that was a struggle for you, but did you, how did you deal with that? Because it's a very common theme within, um, you know, ex-professional athletes of a way to find kind of that, uh, that piece afterwards, instead of just being like, Hey, compete, 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 because it just gets, uh, you know, ingrained in you. Um, but is there a way to get, to get that after, you know, after you retire? well man you know I'm
1: glad you brought it up because it was I mean it was a huge struggle for me and and you're right it is with with a lot of players I think um you know for me it it was unfortunate you know my my career was cut a few years short I believe at at 30 you know I was 30 years old um was forced to retire essentially mid-season due to injury and yeah you know it was it was really rough man you know i had a regular full time job back in tulsa 2 months after that and so the first 30 years of my life is all hockey and you know let's just call it half of those 30 years right the the latter 15 was competitive hockey and it was like yeah. in my blood it was ingrained like you said and now you know, now I've, I've, I've got a family, you know, I had a, a year old daughter at the time, my eldest was a year old. And, um, you know, I got, to I got to provide for my family. And it messed with me, man, it tied into a lot of my uh, struggles with addiction later in life, uh, just with, you know, purpose, feeling purposeless, uh, even hopeless. At times, it got really dark for me, because I just didn't you know, it wasn't so much the lack of competitiveness that was a big part of it, but it was it was the the purposelessness of, you know, what what do I do now? Right. I had this outlet
0: for 30 years and now it's good. Yeah. And so well, and yeah, go ahead. And, and is any part of that? Because, you know, if, if you're playing hockey, you know, we're kind of at, at any level, but we'll kind of paint this with a broad brush. But you kind of know what your expectations are every day when you get up. And let's say this is before you have a family, but you get up and let's say, uh, you know, Gio Flaminio, he's left defenseman, you know, he's either on the power plate, penalty kill, uh, you understand kind of your, your expectations, you know, at a day to day. And you can say, okay, as long as I've done these things, I showed up to practice, I worked out, um, I was, you know, on this regiment, you can kind of lay back at the end of the day and say, hey, um, I was successful. Uh, these were the things that were required of me. Uh, I did them. I feel good about them. Uh you know, I'm in great shape, I'm being active. you know we have a you know, a lot a lot of good things going on here, but then at a certain point where everybody kind of pulls like the expectations of like what you need to be and say like you decide like we're not gonna t- you know this is just life, this isn't being a part of a hockey team. We're not gonna tell you what you need to do to be fulfilled because most of the times, if you're making it to practice and you're making the teams and you're 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 playing professional hockey at this point. You're a success. You're doing everything that's required of you. And as soon as maybe that is taken away, now you have to find that on your own. There's nobody saying that, hey, you know, you're doing the right things here, you're doing the wrong things. There there isn't that that coach looking over you or that, you know, um, the player development player or uh person. It's just kind of one of those things to where now you're kind of left to figure out all of that on your own. Did you feel like that had anything to do with it as far as just you know, because I feel like that happens with a lot of hockey players, too, to where all of a sudden that kind of daily structure that they're used to as far as not necessarily being told what to do, but the expectations, you know, um, was any of that difficult to just kind of decide, hey, this is all me. I'm going to have to try and figure this out on my own. Is that a thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's most definitely a thing. It was for me because, yeah, again, you're, you're hitting on some good points here. Like I was... it. It was laid out for me what to do through my entire hockey career, which was essentially my entire life, you know, up until I was done playing. I mean, you know, shortly after where we got to in my in my playing career, you know, I move away from home to play junior. I get a scholarship that they told I was told to do that. Go play, go play uh, tier two junior so you can get an NCAA scholarship. Okay, I'm going to go do that. And again, this point, I understand that I'm good. I'm under. I understand I'm I have a chance to go somewhere. And I love competing and I love hockey. So let's do it. You know, go play, go play Junior A because you're not big enough to play Major Junior. Get a scholarship. I go there. I hate it. I come home uh, after the hockey season's over. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, are you going to play Major, going to try to play as a 20-year-old in the Western League or Major Junior or go back and play your, you know, final season of Junior A? And there was always people advising me, right? Parents, agents, coaches. And I sort of just, I did what I was told in a lot of ways. It never like looking back, it never necessarily was for me. I was just doing what people were telling me. And even with my pro career starting at, you know, 21, I was going to go to school in Calgary and play and play for um, a university in Calgary and go to school. And, you know, my agent talked me out of that. He said, you know, um, Stockton had just affiliated with the Edmonton Oilers and he, wanted me to go down there and try it. And so that's how my pro career started. And same type of deal. Just, you know, I didn't have control over being traded the, the years that I got moved around the Central League. And, uh, you know, uh, when I, the lone year I played in the ECHL, um, I was, you know, I, I was offered one contract from from Mississippi. So it was just like, there <laughs> It's almost like there w- never was a lot of options. It was just you're going to do this, here's the opportunity and do it. And yeah, you're right. So that ne- once hockey's done, yeah, like r- routine is messed up. Um there's no one telling me what to do and I just know what society tells us to do, right? You know, get a yeah. job, support support your family and that you know, you want to talk about pressure. I I wasn't able to handle that pressure. At least not with as quick of a transition as it happened i just i i caved and you know i turned to toxic coping strategies and you know it it really it really messed up my life man you know it it got really dark for me
0: (laughs) yeah well and and uh you know and um i i could certainly uh share some things at some point whether or not it's on this uh uh, broadcast or not i'm I'm sure we'll talk about at some point but um, one of the things that um, and my dad was actually one of the the people that brought this to my attention because this kind of messed with him and he's kind of always used this as kind of like warning sign. But um, you know, he he he's broadened out quite a bit. But one of the things that he told me is that one of the biggest life lessons that he learned because he was very successful in his industry as far as running rinks and he was a good hockey player and everybody, you know, uh kind of appreciated for the most part like what he had to say. He was, like I said, very well-respected. But somebody came up and asked him a question of, 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 you know, and it wasn't in a bad way, but who are you outside of hockey? Or who are you outside of, you know, kind of your little safe comfort zone? And I think sometimes that us as hockey players, there's kind of like a little bit of a, a cockiness that exists throughout. You almost have to be a little bit. It's a very, you know, difficult sport to learn. It's difficult to be, you know, elite at. But it's one of those things that I still kind of hold dear. And I ask myself that quite a bit. And sometimes, you know, my life is super uh, involved with hockey. It's just, you know, every day, you know, I, I work at a rink, I'm coaching teams and I love it and it really makes my life great. But I always have to kind of check in to make sure that I'm still, you know, a human being outside of just, you know, people can respect me for hockey, this, that. But like, what am I outside of that? and am I a real person? And those are some of the struggles that I feel like when you are solely focused on one thing in your life is a difficult question to answer sometimes, you know? Um, And it can be difficult to kind of imagine yourself without the thing that gives you your pride or gives you your, you know, whatever, but you have to find other ways to kind of fulfill that need because everybody wants to feel like they're uh, necessary in the world, if that makes sense. I'm not gonna say in the hockey world, just in the world, they need to feel like they, they play a part. And I feel like that can be uh, a difficult transition for some people. And I will include myself in this that are solely focused on almost one thing specifically.
1: Yeah. And yeah, like I still struggle with it, man, you know, even after, you know, getting my life back and, you know, um, you know, come, you know, rising up from the struggles I went through, I still struggle with that validation. Right. Am I good yep. enough? That self, I heard, I, I had a chance to listen a little bit to your, your, um, episode with Gary Steffes and, you know, yes, same, yeah. same type of stuff, right? Like that, that self-worth, man, it just, it can really, it it can really mess with a person because a lot of it's not, it's not real. Like I don't need to live up these crazy expectations, man, of myself and others. And so, um, you know, it definitely, uh, you know, and it's all, it's all looking back on it, right? Like I didn't know this stuff about myself necessarily when I was in my twenties playing pro hockey, you know what I mean? I was just, yeah, I was just, I was just living life and, but there was a lot of stuff in those years tied to, um, you know, and again, I remember Gary sharing this, like just where you stood up on the team, you know, depth chart, next in line, who's out to take my job, that kind of stuff would creep in, right? And then, you know, you you make a bad play, you're, you're responsible for a goal against, um, you just had a shitty game overall. All of a sudden, that, you know, that negative, headspace uh starts to come to the forefront and i remember struggling with that in the playing days but not necessarily knowing what it was aside from just you know guilty for playing poorly but uh yeah. i i know all about it now man and it's like i i really have to you know stay grounded and stay in check because otherwise you know i'm my own worst critic and i'm gonna be you know i'm i'm never gonna live up to my expectations of myself right so yeah um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. I'm glad we can talk about it because I just think it's like, not just with hockey players, but, but anyone who, you know, I think that the transition though, like you mentioned before from hockey to, you know, I call it the real world because, you know, I got to, I got to, I got to do something I loved uh, professionally for almost 10 years. I got paid for it. And, you know, that was, that was my job. So, I mean, when that's over, uh, you know it's yeah it's real world stuff it's 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 big boy stuff so i had to yeah. uh I had to learn pretty quickly how to deal with that and like you know i i unfortunately failed a couple of times before uh before i figured out how to uh you know how how to live life after hockey i guess but i
0: but i i i think it's beneficial cuz you know i've um you know i i've talked to quite a few you know hockey players a bunch of good hockey players like yourself and it's just um And I'm not, you know, this is part of the reason that I do the podcast, but I think that there's something huge to like ex-pros coming out and and then talking about some of the struggles that they have. Because the thing is, is that, you know, like if you're a young kid, let's, let's say you're a young kid, you just turned pro, You might not talk about, you know, your struggles as much because you don't want to seem weak or whatever, but listening and understanding and hearing ex-pros talk about it has to be beneficial for these young kids. And I hope it gets to a point where they can kind of, you know, um, I, I think just recently, and this is really cool and I hope I don't mess any of this up, but I think Gary just signed on to be like the mental health coach that might be the wrong uh, title, but it's essentially like the mental, uh, awareness, I'll put it that way, mental awareness yep. coach for the Allen Americans. Now, like it is a, it is a thing that, that is important to, you know, especially if, Let's say you draft a kid, you know, the kids, I don't know, 18, 19, could be younger, could be a little bit older. Like, how much value are you putting into his, you know, mental stability? I will say that I think that nowadays it's better than it used to be. I feel like back in the day when you were growing up, I was growing up, it was kind of one of those where you just had to be tough. You had to push through it. You didn't really talk about that stuff, but I feel like that's kind of come back on us. And, you know, it's one of those things to where, I do think that hockey's headed in the right direction as far as, um, kind of understanding that the mental aspect of the game is really huge, which I guess has always been agreed upon, but that there's things that organizations need to be doing, uh, to help, you know, young kids or young pros or, or all these other people. But I do think that it's, it's trending in the right way. And I would, I would use Gary as an example because, you know, obviously, Alan uh, Allen Americans, have you know. They're like, Hey, we need somebody to go through it and guide these guys, you know, whether, whether or not they're young kids or, you know, uh, veterans or, you know, whatever it is. But I do think that it's headed in the right direction. And I think it's because of people, you know, like you and Gary and a few others that are willing to kind of talk about this and share it. Cause it makes those young kids not feel like, you know, that they're all alone. And, and it, it's, it is important to kind of share that. And if it comes from somebody that has played at a high level, like yourself, I think it's more meaningful.
1: Yeah, most definitely, man. And, you know, this is, you know, worth mentioning, this is like my virgin, uh, you know, podcast appearance. And, you know, I've, it's, it's just interesting that you reached out to me when you did, because I'd been wanting to either, you know, look into starting one on my own, or at least, you know, finding some people who are already hosting, uh, hosting their own to see if I could get on because I, you know, it helps me. It it even helps me to talk about it. You know, like it's yeah, you're right. It, for for youth to hear from uh someone who's been through what they've been through, and you know maybe some strategies with how to deal with it, uh how they push through, uh that's that's encouraging. And you know, I think it needs to be talked about more. You're right. It's heading in the right direction. It was not, you know, it just wasn't existent when I was coming through. Right, like it was you did, you did have to toughen up even, even as a, you know, minor hockey player with, you know, back to my dad coaching and stuff. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't letting him know when I was down. Right. He could tell, but it was more like, you know, you keep your head up and you push through. Right. That was, that was the upbringing. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think it's, it it was, it was really interesting just a little bit. I caught of again, your episode with Gary, how he, he touched on that and I played with him, right? I played with him for two yep. seasons. I saw like looking back on it, I could see how he struggled with that because he was just like so hard on himself and just had, you know, he was a tremendous player, clearly. I mean, look at the career yeah. he's had. But but he he expected that, man. You know, and when when he fell a little bit short, like it was, it was noticeable. And so it's interesting to hear him talk about that and 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 now being on the other side of it and maybe being able to help you know countless kids and future um you know pros or whatever maybe deal with it in a in a gentler or just healthier
0: manner right it, well and it's it's one of those two to where you're never going to coach you're never going to coach every player the same and i almost feel like the and i love old school hockey and i love old school coaching and i use a lot of it when i coach But there's almost just like, there's a certain part of it where it's almost like, I don't think that the expectation should be the same for each kid that's out there. There are going to be some kids that could be great players if they're handled, and I'm not going to say softer, but if if you kind of understand, you know, that player and that player might be in his head a little bit more, there's so many good players that I can remember growing up with or that I've seen that had amazing skill sets, but they're, their mental game was just out of whack. And it was because I really felt like at the end of the day, nobody kind of stepped up to that kid and said like, Hey, like, let me help you with this or let me, you know. Um, But I I do think it's one of those things that's very important. And I do think that you'll, you will continue to see, um, you know, more of these types of coaches, mental, you know, health coaches, strength coaches. Um, But I also think that you'll start to see it. And, you know, I've never played professional hockey, but I do think that you'll start to see it even more uh, within the team, you know, cause it's one of those things you, you, you know, the players all have each other's backs for the most part. If you're a part of a healthy organization yeah. and a healthy team, but it's also something that's a little bit taboo and a lot of players feel uncomfortable talking to one another about, you know, cause you, you kind of want to present yourself as the strong, you know, individual because you're playing one of the most, you know, uh, physical and high intensity sports in the world. And uh, I just think that. I don't know, we just need to give a little bit of uh, uh, grace and and leeway to these guys to be able, and I don't know if this will ever change, but to be able to talk, you know, to each other about this, and this may happen, you know, maybe not in large groups, but um, I just feel like it'll also turn in that way, but did you have teammates at any point that you felt like you were able to open up to? You don't have to tell us who they were, but um, did you find any kind of, uh, did you find some 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 lee leeway there within within your teammates that maybe knew what was going on with you or maybe they had similar struggles does that happen kind of behind the scenes a little bit
1: yeah definitely i think like um you know i i again took pride in being a really good teammate um and so you know i remember being there for dudes who were struggling and it could have been anything right you know loss in the family um, playing, playing poorly, you know, just a streak of playing poorly and trying to pick them up, you know? Um, and yeah, you connect with, with certain, certain teammates more than others, I guess. But I was super fortunate, man. I played on, you know, even despite some, some poor records over the years on some, some pro teams, I, I, I played, I was just really fortunate, like just some tremendous teams and, and teammates. And yeah, that, that went on just like, um, you know, it, it was it, like I said, it was both. It could be, it could be stuff that happened on the ice, and just maybe, you know, maybe a a talk post game or something, just just a check in, how you doing, or or really being there for someone who is clearly struggling. You know, like like I said, a family member sick at home. Because you got to remember, most of, most of uh, my teammates over the years, ev- everyone's away from home, right? You're playing, yeah, right? and hundreds of miles away from home. So that was that was a big one too right like you miss your family and so yeah I think I think I was probably more fortunate than some guys just for the caliber of human beings I got to play with men uh, especially over my professional career
0: yeah well and, and it's great and it's like um, obviously in your time in Tulsa um, I know some of the the people that you played with but I it's it's one of those things and I'm not you know trying to pump your tires here but one of the things that I always heard is just that you were a really good teammate and that you were well liked and people likes being around you and people, um, and not just the the players on your team. And I don't know if you remember your time in Tulsa, uh, you know, uh, super well, but that you just, you were, you had a great personality. You, you were really good with the kids. You were really good with like the fans. And I just feel like, um, and not to be whatever, but that always kind of, attracted me to your game if that makes sense it was one of those things to where i saw how you reacted with the the, these people like i said whether or not they're your teammates you know fans parents of of kids or whatever it was but it, it there was a point where i was like oh this guy gets it like he gets you know and even if you're going through your own stuff at that time uh just the way that you treated the fans in tulsa um it was kind of a big reason to why I don't know I just it was it, it's important to me. I don't live in Tulsa anymore, but Tulsa is still very uh holds a very special place in my heart, but um the way that you were talked about in Tulsa and the way that you, I saw you treat people, um it really does say quite a bit and you know obviously you had to go through some things after you retired, but um I still think that within the city of Tulsa And especially even back at the Oilers Ison, right? Still think there's a lot of people that remember you uh, and remember you fondly. But um, can you talk at all about your time in Tulsa? Because uh, that's when I was around. I know that you've played for some other teams, but uh, can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Because it was a fun time and you guys had a really good team when you guys were there.
1: Yeah. So for sure, man, I, you know, I relate to you as far as Tulsa having a special place in my heart. I mean, it's, um, uh, you know, my daughter still lives there with her mother and I'm, I'm down there regularly, uh, you know, visiting her, or bringing her back to Canada. So, um, you know, I've kept in touch with, uh, some, some, some people outside of the hockey world there. And yeah, it was, yeah. a big, big part of my hockey career, uh, mainly because it was, you know, my career was starting to wind down clearly. Right. Like I, I -hmm. knew I wasn't, I knew I wasn't getting to the next level. Um, but I knew I still had a, you know, four or five good years in me. And unfortunately that was cut short due to injury. But, um, yeah, I just, I think like, you know, looking back on all the teams I played for, it was, it was that first year in Tulsa. So I, you know, I want to say 2011, 2012, but you know, Mm -hmm. I, I could, I could be a year off and you know, we, I think we started off hot, but we ended up like not even making playoffs, but that team and I, you know, I won a championship in 2010 and, you know, I would put this Tulsa team uh, right up there as far as just, you know, again, caliber human beings, um, you know, just despite not winning a ton of games, uh, we still went out there and competed and, you know, had, had a good time doing it. And so, you know, I, uh, you know, I I was married to a Tulsinian for a, a couple years, so that's a big part of of my story too. And 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 we have a child together, and so you know, Tulsa was home uh, for you know close to to five years before I moved back to Canada, and so, um, you know, and and it's and it's still it's still a second home in a lot of ways. So, you know, I loved uh I loved the hockey playing days of it because again, great group of guys great city to play in you know great arena obviously nhl caliber arena right yeah be and, okay is something yeah man is it was, it was awesome you know especially when we got like decent crowds in there it was uh it, it was a fun venue to play at man and uh you know uh, you're right i enjoyed like it was thankfully early on in my career when i started in oklahoma city i i played with some tremendous leaders you know the tyler flex marty standishes of the world and they mm-hmm. with me they told me you know it's this is part of it man i was like what we're going to read to the kids at the <laughs> yeah. you know what Go we're going we're going we're going to the hospital for what and it was like I didn't. I just didn't know. I was naive to the fact that that was part of the criteria, right? And so, yeah, I I relished in it, man. You know what I mean? I loved it. I loved going to talk to those sick kids in the hospital and you know sign the jerseys for them. And um, you know, it was humbling, right? And you know, a lot of guys um didn't didn't necessarily enjoy that part of it. Uh, yeah you know, not, not the hospital visits, everyone, you know, it, it has, yeah. has a hard experience with that, but a lot of the school visits or just the, um, you know, signing autographs after a home loss or something like that type of stuff. Um, you know, I just always, it was taught to me that that was part of it. And so I took pride in it and, you know, uh, as far as like, still, still playing the game, unfortunately enough, I didn't, you know, I, I wish I missed the game more and still even, played in some men's leagues or something but i don't but what i do enjoy is you know you mentioned those kids it's when i can get out there with a buddy who's coaching or just um someone asked me to go help out here and there and i and i get to go give back to those kids man you know who are yeah. just just where i was right you know uh-huh. years. and so that's been that's been really cool like i said i wish i missed it more to where i could still like lay some up and go compete a little bit with with some buddies but I just unfortunately don't right it's kind of like it was a past life right my hockey life yeah but but yeah the the youth and just the community of Tulsa was uh was a bright spot man you know um because it again career was winding down it had turned into a job in the sense of you know this is what I have to do to provide but at the same time it was I still enjoyed going to the rink every day, you know, and that's, that's, there's something to be said about the the community of Tulsa and, and the guys I played with there.
0: Yeah. Well, and then geo, and I'm sure that you have thought about this before, but I, I'm going to speak for myself and I'm just talking about myself. And if any of this applies to you, you can take it for yourself, but I'm just talking about myself, but I, look, I was pretty competitive in my mindset you know i mean like i said i i didn't go on to play professional hockey but i was always a really competitive player you know is it was, it was the point to where sometimes i think i almost kind of negatively affected myself by being a little bit too anxious before the games or a little too riled up or whatnot um and then when, when i kind of stopped doing that you know my life didn't necessarily go in the direction that i wanted to but i will say as soon as i started coaching and this is, it doesn't matter what age group or you know what you're going to do I kind of was able to get to scratch that itch a little bit to scratch that itch of like, okay, like I'm, I'm not out there on the ice anymore, but I'm being competitive. I feel like I have all this knowledge. I really feel like I have something that I could, could share with these kids here. It does scratch that itch a little bit. So I'm not going to nudge you, but I really feel like even if you were going to take like a, a part-time assistant coaching gig somewhere, I kind of feel like you would enjoy it. There is definitely like the little bit, and I, I'll say this, but this is just for me personally. I'm almost more competitive now as a coach, and this doesn't matter if it's 8-year-olds or 12-year-olds. I mean, I keep it within the lines, but right. I enjoy coaching. And I'm like, man, I get because the, there's like that that rush. You know what I mean? I don't get it from any other thing. Besides like when I used to play hockey and when I coach, there is nothing that is anywhere similar to that vibe. And at the end of the day, it might just be a bunch of 12 year old kids that are playing against each other. But it's a nice little it, it kind of scratches that itch a little bit. So I would push you in the direction if you're feeling that way at all, but don't want to lace them back up. Just go help out with the kids team. I think that the amount of knowledge that you have and everything, I think it would be really cool to see. Yeah and you know what I have thought about it man
1: especially even you know there's a, the Saskatoon Blades are here where I live now you know yeah. major major junior team and uh I've gone to a few games in in the past couple years and I really enjoy that like just that there's I still follow the NHL and you know obviously NHL playoffs are the greatest thing on earth but like yeah. uh, I almost I almost prefer um, you know the the teenagers, right? Because they're just hitting that point in their career where I maybe yeah. wish I, you know, if I, you know, it's all it's all in hindsight, right? But had I maybe gone to play BC Junior A instead of in the SJHL in Saskatchewan, I would have got drafted to the NHL, maybe a late round pick, or at the very least would have had you know a dozen options of NCAA schools to go to versus just one, you know. And so you always yeah. think of that, and I see these kids, and they're just, and I mean, the talent is. I, I mean, you know, you, you follow the game. Right. But talent level is just through the roof. Now with some of these kids, it's all yeah. about speed. It's all about skill. I mean, yes, there's, it's still a rough game and there and there's hitting, but a lot of times there's very minimal of that. It's just, these guys are, are so skilled and, um, and able to just, you know, bring it to another level. And so I, I enjoy I enjoy that. And I'm not saying I could see myself like like coaching at that level, but you know, uh, and and you got to start somewhere, right? Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm definitely with you uh, as far as that being able to maybe, you know, just, just help me with that fulfillment a little more and also, you know, give back right to a game that, that obviously gave me so much.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, is that there, there's a thing to where, you know, you can kind of look at yourself and you know, this might sound whatever, but there are times to where like if I'm feeling maybe a little down or a little, you know, whatever, and I go and you know, I'm, I'm coaching a team and they're all looking at me and they are ready for information. They are ready for, you know, the, the these are little these are little hockey players. These are these are we're talking about ones that want to get better. We're talking about those and to I, I feel, and this is mutually beneficial, but I feel Like I am doing, um, I'm doing well, I'm doing well in life. I'm sharing the information that, you know, even though I didn't get to maybe where I I wanted to at that point, I still have so much information and these kids are eating it up and I can see that they, you know, it's almost like you're kind of feeding them, you know, the information that you know. And so I will just say that, uh, if you ever decide to start coaching, I know we don't live in the same area, but, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take all the credit for it if you do but, uh, I think you would make a great coach because here's the thing is that I think that you think about the mental side of it. I think you communicate really well with people. Um, I just, I could see you being a really good coach. So I just needed to play this little bug in your brain. If you decide not to coach, that's fine. Um, but just, I don't know, everything I know about you for the most part, um, and just talking to you, it's like, man, you would just make a great coach because I feel like you could put yourself in the shoes of those young, you know, hockey players and I really think that you could, uh, you know, make a difference in their lives. But if you decide not to do that, it's totally okay. Not trying (laughs) to put you on the spot, but I think you'd make a great coach, you. Well, thank you, man. And
1: yes, I will will be sure to give you, uh, you you know, give you most
0: of the credit uh, if I if I do go somewhere with it. But yeah, (laughs) I'm (laughs) like I'm just looking. I'm looking for like sixty to (laughs) seventy percent of the credit, not all (laughs) of it. That's just like sixty to (laughs) seventy percent. is uh kind of my wheelhouse there but uh i did kind of want to get into uh kind of what you're doing uh what you're doing now um and one of the things i kind of wanted to talk to you about um because this is something that i uh i've always enjoyed doing and it seems like you kind of do a little bit and i hope it's okay that we talk about this uh we are getting a little bit closer to the end of the episode but i want to talk to you about this real quick um but uh geo do you write
1: it, yeah so I do, man. It's, it's been, it's been a great outlet for me. Um, Again, you know, we don't have to dive deep, deep into, you know, the extent of my struggles, you know, post hockey career. And, and they even started in my, in in my latter playing days, just with uh, the substance abuse and, and sort of needing to cope with that following my pro career, uh, or, you know, coping with, uh, with substances and the the struggle became very real i progressed to a like i said earlier a very dark time for me and so um being able to you know get through that like come out of that alive and on the other end of it and and finding that purpose um you know ironically enough through my struggles to to help others with the the things that i've gotten through you know and and that's been that's been probably the the greatest blessing, I think, um, that, you know, my struggles have afforded me, if that makes sense. And with, with that now I, I had to find, I had to find healthy coping strategies because the strategies I was engaging in were toxic and, you know, burning my life down. So yeah, yeah. Uh, answer your question. Uh, writing, you know, I was always, you know, pretty good in school with, uh, uh, you know, essays and and that kind of writing, uh, you know, creative writing. But when I got into recovery, and, and even when I was still, you know, in active addiction, I I started writing just at a, at a much more, uh, just at a greater rate, was just like pumping out content. and And then I started to share it. And I was so scared to initially start sharing it, whether it be like texting a few friends or family, and then eventually like posting it online. And, you know, then people started telling me, uh, well, one of two things, they were either worried about me because a lot of (laughs) park, but Yeah, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? But then they would also say, man, I really, I really needed to hear that today. That was like, thank you. Like, thank you for posting that. That's exactly what I needed to hear. And so you know, not, not to inflate the ego too much, but that, you know, that feels good. And, and it, and it's, again, I'm still at this point in my life, you know, three, four, five years ago, still searching for, for purpose. Like, what is my purpose? And I, through recovery, through these healthy outlets, I was able to discover that it it genuinely is helping people. Um, And so, yeah, with the writing man, like I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I, I wish I, had time to do it uh, more um, because not only does it seem to maybe help others, but like it really, really helps me.
0: Well, and and that's a, it's it's funny. That's a perfect transition because I'm assuming even if you write that down and never let anybody see it, it's already probably improved your situation just for, for, for getting that out there. And if it can end up helping other people, then that's great, too. Um, but I just think that you do a good you do a really good job with it. And I hope that it's okay that I say like you know I you know I I read some of them I've seen some of them and they're it's very good it's very um I uh I consider myself or I I guess I used to be a writer I was one of those I always loved uh, creative writing I was the poetry um I actually when I went to college I I signed up to be an English major and then everybody scared me and they said nope you can't be an English major they won't make any money and so you know I I switched up my uh, my, my life there, which I did not, (laughs) didn't end up getting an English major degree. We'll put it that way. But that's what I enjoyed. I, I always enjoyed being able to express myself because at the end of the day, whether or not anybody saw that, if they saw that and enjoyed it or took something away from it, that that was great. But it was just about being able to, to write and to, to put it down and to get it out. It was like the best way to get it out, you know, and to say that, okay, it it exists outside of my brain. Now it's written down, like, you know what I mean? And, And other people can take that in and they might take it, you know, specifically, you know, from 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 what I'm trying to say, they can take this and take it word by word by word, or they can take it and apply it to themselves. But it's just one of those, I feel like it's a great uh, medium uh, for expression and, you know, for art. And I just, I really like what you do. Um, so I hope you don't stop doing it. And I hope that you share with others, um, but it seems like you already do it yeah and you know first off like thanks thanks a lot man it's it's it's
1: always great to hear you know the positive feedback with it but you know again it's you're right it's a great it's a great medium for it and it's it's ultimately for me um like connection right and that's that's a big one that i realized once i you know turned the light around and got back on track so to speak and started being able to be the man i need for, you know, uh, my my family and, and myself um, was uh, that the, you know, the writing provided that connection uh, with other people, again, whether they provided feedback um, or, you know, I've, I've recited them uh, a handful of times, as you know, I'll post that stuff online and instantly someone reaches out that they're either struggling or love the work or checks on you. It develops an instant bond, right? And Uh, connections, everything for me today, because when I'm at my worst, it's when I'm alone and isolated or in my head. Right. And that, uh, so I've learned fortunately enough over time to do things (laughs) that, uh, allow me to not be in that state. And, uh, yeah, for sure. Writing and, and reciting and sharing, um, sharing it has, has been, you know, instrumental, I guess, in just my recovery.
0: Well, Hey, that's awesome. And here's another thing, I think you should do the podcast. I think that if I can talk to you about, yeah. it, speaking, speaking from my point of view, this has been yeah. very beneficial. There's, been, it's been very beneficial to me. Um, I'm able to, because the thing is, you know, I have a guest on, but depending on, you know, what that guest wants to talk about, I get to talk about how I feel about the things that the guest is talking about. You know, like I don't really want to put myself, you know, before the guest, but these conversations are always a lot of fun, and I usually leave these feeling better. Um, but I think that you would be really good at these. And if you need any help, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I have a guy that helps me with the technical stuff and he could certainly help you out. But, uh, Gio, I think you would be great at this. And I think that, uh, if you're going to take anything away from this podcast, is that you should do your own. Uh, but if you ever need help, then you should uh, reach out to me. And I think that, uh, I don't know. I think that a lot of people would be, uh, positively affected by you. Having a podcast, so I'm just gonna say that is that you should yeah, and, you should make your own. And,
1: yeah, man, and and probably more like probably more of a reality that that happens versus the coaching. But who knows? It might it it could be both. But yeah, I think there's you know mental health addiction. These things are just not talked about enough, man. uh You know, yeah. in, in the in the hockey world, but just you know in society in general and you know since i started you know trying to recover um you know countless people have died uh so many families are broken and it's like wow i didn't you know i knew i knew that existed but now now i'm really seeing that firsthand with people i know right and so yeah as a you already know resources are super limited and you know there's uh there, there's an opportunity there it's a it's a you know it's a platform in a sense to and i used to be like you know a alcoholics anonymous you know i was anonymous about my recovery because that's we're taught that's the humble thing to do well i yeah. disagree with that now it's like no let's get it out there man i struggled i almost died from this shit i struggled this is what i did to get better this is what i did to still be able to be you know a husband a father a son and And that's like, that's what I needed. That's what I needed to see that from people who came before me that, you know, went through the same stuff and got well. I needed to see that. And so I think, yeah, you could go a million directions with the podcast as far as just, you know, people who have overcome it, the science behind it, um, you know, resources, the list goes on. And then not to mention, you know, the extraordinary conversations with people, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah. And like I said, it's it's mutually beneficial because you'll get something out of it uh the person that you're talking to will get something out of it and i I really feel like uh you're, you're gonna do some awesome stuff here pretty soon and uh i hope while you do that you keep in touch with uh with me or us i guess i'll say us it's the podcast it's me and my uh me and matt taylor i gotta give him a shout out every once in a while he does the website and all the other good stuff but you're gonna have to uh to to make sure that you stay in contact with us even from up north but uh Gio, this has been an awesome episode, but now we're at the last segment. Um, the last segment, there's rules to this, Gio. Um, it's open format up until this point. This is where it starts to get, you know, there's rules, regulations, uh, but essentially, this is the shout out. Um, you have to say something positive. It could be a, a life lesson, it could be a coaching mantra, uh, it could be friends and family, it could be, you know, people that are important to you um but essentially geo the rules are uh, that you have to say something positive um are you are okay with those rules and are you ready to proceed forward uh with saying anything that's positive for sure man um
1: yeah one of the the best quotes that i literally reference daily for um especially when i'm struggling or you know living in some uncertainty uh is action despite how you feel, and you know it was said to me early on when I first started you know coming around recovery and was hopeless and beat down and broken, and you know someone said it and it clicked, man, and every time I'm stuck, down in the dumps, you know you know unmotivated, whatever it may be, um you know it's 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 stuck on our mirror in the bathroom, it's in my office, uh you know, action despite how you feel and it you know teaches me you know move my feet do the next right thing uh you know everything's impermanent and it's it's allowed me to you know get through a lot of stuff man just those simple words and so um and i and i i share i'm glad you asked me because i try to share that with anyone who's you know struggling or, or looking for some advice on how i got through um you know that's one of the go-tos for sure
0: yeah well hey that's a that's an awesome shout out geo um I have to do the shout-out as well. Um, and um, so if you give me a minute, I'll do the uh shout out because I don't want to leave you alone just doing the shout-out by yourself. But uh my shout-out is going to be um just reaching out um if you need help. Um and this is uh I'm painting this with a really broad brush. Um, uh, but there was uh recently a uh, well what's the best way to say this uh there's a vet, there's veteran team veteran teams down here and there was a a, a man um there was a man that, that passed away recently and he uh his his passing away has really affected uh the hockey community down here um and all I'm going to say is that there's people out there to talk to if you need to talk to anybody um and I think that the one thing that we don't take away sometimes is that A lot of us, and I mean a lot of us, end up uh, in these situations to where we feel uh, a certain way. Um, My belief is that that feeling is very real and very strong. um, But if there is a way to reach out in those moments, or if people feel like they can reach out in those moments, um, that it really does, uh, it really makes everything uh, a lot easier. And this isn't, you know, anything that's super easy to talk about, but. I just think being vulnerable and being in a spot and having people uh, that care about you is important, but nobody should be afraid to reach out uh, to the people that they know that they can reach out to. Um, so I think that that's my shout out uh, is being able to reach out to people that, you know, care about you and will listen to you and will help you work through things. Um, yeah. So that's going to be my shout out. Um, GL. Amen. Uh, do you have uh, do you have anything else that you need to go over? Um, this has been a really good episode. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you, and um, I hope this isn't the last time that we get to talk. Um, but is there anything else that we missed, or do we did we fly by anything? Is there anything else that we need to talk about? I don't think so, man. I think it went you know absolutely the way it was
1: supposed to. And you know, I once again appreciate you. Uh, you know, this was my maiden voyage, so to speak, with with this type of work. And it inspired me, dude, fired me to, uh, yeah, no, to, to, to again, take take some action on, uh, on, on looking in how to maybe fire something up. And, you know, I'm already, I'm already going through my head of like, you know, you said at the start, I was on your short list. Like I've got my short list going through my head here Uh on, uh, you know, I think, yeah, ultimately I just already know how many people it could help and in turn you know selfishly as it sounds it help it's going to help me right and i i need that i need that connection man um i'm yeah. not cured i'm not cured from alcoholism or addiction brother this is a lifelong journey and a lifestyle that i've had to adapt so that i don't ever have to go down that path again and uh you know like i said i've been thinking about this for a while um uh, and i appreciate you i think the timing was impeccable and uh, yeah, I look forward to keeping in touch, brother. It's been you know, really great to reconnect with you.
0: Well, yeah. Well, Gio, I think you would, you would be awesome at this. And uh, like I said, if you need any help, let me know. But I would be super excited to see you do something similar, especially uh, if it can help other people. Um, I, I just I, I think you're you're awesome. And, and we're all works in progress here, Geo. We're all we're all doing our best to uh, continue to move forward and just, uh, I don't know, be in action. I guess we're, we're going to continue to move forward. That's, that's what needs to happen. But, um, I'm going to tell everybody yeah. to, how to get, a, how to get a hold of us real quick and then I'll let you go. But, uh, everybody can find us on faceoffspotpodcast.com. I'll say that one more time. It's faceoffspotpodcast.com. Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes. Uh, we have, we're on Facebook and Instagram, all those places. So make sure to give us a follow. Um, we always really appreciate when that happens, but, uh, Either way, um, thanks to our sponsor, Howie's Hockey. Yet again, you can enter the promo code FACEOFF10. That's FACEOFF and the number 10 as your uh, coupon code to get 10% off of Howie's Hockey. Uh, but Gio Flaminio, uh, thank you so much for coming on this show. Uh, like I said, you're on my short list, and I'm glad that we got to have uh, we got to have an episode where we got to talk about some real things. It, it, really, uh, it was a good episode for me, and I hope that you took something away from this. And uh, let me know when you come out with your podcast.